Hey, Rip City, this is Greg Brown III. You got one of the best seats in the house here at Section 113 with Travis Demers. Welcome into another edition of the Section 113 podcast. I'm Travis Demers. Happy to have you with us as the Blazers get set to take on the Timberwolves on Saturday night. Well, we call this Section 113 because that's where we broadcast the game from. And that's myself as well as Michael Holton, who joins us now for the first time since, well, since before the season started, Michael. Good to see you, man. Uh, we talk a lot. It's nice to have you back on the podcast again. Well, good. I've heard a lot of good things about the podcast, and I feel honored to be invited back. <laughs> yeah, you're the first repeat guest. And look, there's a lot of stuff I want to get into with you, but I want to start with the game against Denver. And obviously a very disappointing way to end the game. The fourth quarter was rough to watch on both ends of the floor, and Chauncey Billups for the first time this year was really vocally frustrated with what he saw late in the game. What did you take away from that? Well, I thought it was a great game, first of all. I thought there was a lot of back yeah. and forth and a lot of pressurized possessions, which I think are, are very good for a team to experience. Uh, you know, we're a quarter of the way through the season, and you know the Blazers haven't had a full contingent you know, of players yet. So I thought just that type of experience was so rich. Um, you know, it, it was a game that you never thought was going to get away from the Blazers. At least I didn't as, yeah. as the fourth quarter unfolded. And, and I just thought about how many possessions in that game the team will be able to, and the staff will be able to look at from so many different angles it was kind of my takeaway. Yeah. And specifically with the last play of the game, there, there were a couple of things. Number one, Chauncey Billups said, the, the two things that can't happen are an and one and a three. They got a three. That's the only way that you lose the game. There were there was a lot of talk after the game about how the Blazers had a foul to give and they could have used it. Um, you and I have this discussion a lot during the game as that situation is coming up in real time. So I don't know. I want to know your thoughts specifically on that play on why they didn't use a timeout. Or I'm sorry, why they didn't commit a foul. Uh you know, I, I think it was a new experience for all involved. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback it because yeah. when I looked at it in real time, I think I was numb like everybody else in the Motor Center yeah. at, at the turn of events and how quickly it happened. And you were just sitting there kind of going, wow. You know, and that's where a lack of practice time in the NBA, uh, I think, is a negative for, for a relatively new coach and new staff. You know, I know. You know, and the, at the college level, you have so much practice time and you do time and score every day. I mean, every day you literally work through situations. Right. And that's a long answer to your question. You know, I thought that when Nurk, not Nurk, when Jokic caught the ball, I thought he was in a bad way. He was facing the sideline. Uh, he, I wouldn't say he was off balance, but his back was to the floor. And, and I think that's an opportunistic time to pressure or trap. I mean, looking at it in hindsight, right? But, you know, you would have to have that baked into your team's DNA to be green-lighted, to be situational uh, in a pressurized possession like that. Uh, and so I looked at I looked at that possession as I looked at it over and over and over again. That was my first thought. And then I thought, wow, I dribble handoff uh, to Jamal Murray. That's another opportunity for two defenders, right? All of those are risks. And all of those are gambles. I'm just kind of unpacking them as you're asking me the question of what I yeah. saw and thought. I saw and thought all those things. 
in that game, Anthony Simons struggled, had his worst shooting game of the night. Jeremy Grant got off to a really hot start and didn't score in the second or third quarters and then had just six points in the fourth. Um, but Dame had a great game, right? And, and I look at the dynamic between those three guys. Jeremy Grant and Anthony Simons got used to playing without Dame for really more than half the season. And now when Dame is working himself back in, right, the first game that he was back, Jeremy Grant had a big game. Anthony Simons had a big game. And Dame was the third leading scorer. Well, on a night where Dame goes off and has 32 in the second half, Anthony Simons had two in the second half and Jeremy Grant had six. Do you see them still trying to figure out what that on-court relationship and, and shot selection is like? Uh, uh, yes, I, I do feel like that's a part of the process and the experience. That It doesn't look, I don't see them working through that. I mean, I don't see somebody hmm. uncomfortable on the floor or somebody to defer. You know, Travis, those are the things that you got to, you got to have some highs and some lows of experiences together to collectively know how to respond. I think back to Dame and some of the comments he would make back in the CJ McCollum days about getting CJ going or knowing when CJ was going. And, and Dame is that type of leader, right? Well, Dame has that in his DNA as the leader of the team to be receptive and to be understanding of that. So for Anthony and for Jeremy, uh, in particular, that's a learning experience for them to go through with Dame, right? Nurk understands it. Dame and Nurk have a certain chemistry. So I think that experience is happening. I don't think I see them fumbling or stumbling or uncomfortable. And I think it's easy to read too much into Anthony having an off-shooting night. Yeah. Hey, look, Anthony's been great. He can, he can have an off-shooting night. One, it, it happens, right? Yeah, it's a part. It's a part. It's a part of the game. And 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 what I what I observed in it is, Anthony Simons is 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 a primary scorer on this team, and he's green lighted and counted on every night to be instrumental, you know, in 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 the productivity of the team, particularly on the offensive end, you know. And I thought there was a possession or two when when he passed or made an extra pass, which was unselfish. Yeah, that I would like to see him just let it go. And, and and take take a field goal attempt. Yeah, and I think the one that you're you're talking about has been one that's kind of pointed been pointed out quite a bit is that fast break where he made that extra pass to Josh Hart and he slipped, and and there was a turnover late in the game. Is that one of them? Yeah, that that's the one that stands out. I think you know there there may have been two or three total. And again, I'm 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 Monday morning quarterbacking and micromanaging possessions, but those were of things course. that that in real time I thought, ooh, he could have took that. You know, because when Josh Hart gave him that ball, I think Josh Hart expected him to take that shot. Right. Uh, and that's why Josh wasn't in position really or on balance for a return pass. You know, but, you know, you get experience, Travis, when you go through things, not when you talk about them or not when you see them in the video room. Uh, you really, there's a part of this dynamic where you have to go through it, right? And it's not always comfortable. And, and sometimes you, you're not able to learn in victory. Sometimes some of the experiences come in defeat. Before we get into the, the games with Minnesota this weekend, I want to get kind of a, a big picture um, look at, at this team right now because expectations evolve, right? And at the beginning of the season, the outside expectations were not that this team was going to be 13 and 12 and in a pretty decent position. So 
as the team looked at it at 13 and 12, you know, beginning of the season, you know, okay, that, that's pretty good. But when you start nine and three, and now you see 13 and 12, it doesn't quite have that same feeling, right? And under 500, five and six at home. But Dame has played in half the games. Uh, a bunch of other starters have missed time. We haven't seen GP2 yet. Do you still have this feeling, Michael, that we really don't quite fully know what this team is capable of yet? Yeah, I, I definitely have that feeling. And and I, I, I'm the optimist, and I think the ceiling is, is pretty high. You know, when I look at the pieces, right? You know, I look at Nurk, and, and, and Nurk, to me, is has the potential to be a dominant center in the league and, and what he does and taking up space, pass the basketball, score the basketball. He's added to three. You know, I look at Jeremy Grant's experience in the league as a primary scorer. I look at Anthony and, and his emergence. I look at Dame and I look at the defense. You know, I look yeah. at Josh Hart, Justice Winslow. When I look at all of the pieces and you put them on the board, I'm going, wow. This team has a chance to to really do a lot collectively as a team. Yeah, I I just I don't quite know what to make about some things because you've had guys playing out of position at times. And look, Justice Winslow has played every position on the floor and he's played it well at times, right? And then when you have guys who are supposed to be role players coming off the bench starting and playing big roles came out, that hurts your bench. And there's just so many things where it's like, I look at it and I just, I don't quite know where all the pieces fit yet because nobody does. No. And, and, and but that's why we play the games, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. That's why we, we buy tickets. You know, we sit down, we turn on the TV because we want to see a live event happen right before our very eyes. And in this case, you know, we're talking about, if you look at the last year and a half, you look at the last two years in the organization, New coach in Chauncey Billups. Joe Cronin becomes the general manager. And collectively, they, I thought, made a pronouncement a year ago about the type of roster that they wanted yeah. to build, right? And and went out and got and got those players, those assets to to put that the pieces of the puzzle together. And we haven't seen all of the pieces yet put in an interlocking position on the board yet. With Minnesota, they've got a game tonight as we're recording this on Friday, but they play uh, on the road at Utah tonight and the second night of a back-to-back on Saturday against the Blazers and then Monday again at the Blazers. Their big injury is Carl Anthony Towns. He's not going to be available, or at least it looks right now that he's not going to be available. So that means he and Rudy Gobert will not be on the floor together. And early on in the season for them, it hasn't quite looked like it really works. So in some ways for Minnesota – is it better for them to see what it's like to have just Rudy Gobert out there for these few games? Uh, you know, I don't know that I can answer that for for Minnesota. Uh, I, I I think about Carl Anthony Towns and and how he has played against the Blazers and what he's yeah. capable of, uh, and that's a lot, right? Yeah, and, it is. I mean, and Rudy Gobert is is very different. Uh, in terms of his impact on the game and the impact he's had against the Blazers. His pick-and-roll defense, his rim protection. Uh, Rudy Gobert discourages dribble penetration. <laughs> uh, and so I I think that the both of them is difficult. It's more difficult than it is easy uh, to play together as a combination and as a tandem. So that's a long answer to your question. I think there is an upside for the Minnesota Timberwolves to have one of them on the floor versus both. 
I need some life advice from you, Michael. Something I ask of you often, right? Uh, my wife's birthday was a couple of days ago. I asked you for some life advice as to uh, whether or not to give her the treadmill that she wanted. So now you, you and I have some really, really similar things in our lives and some things that are really, really different. Today is December 9th. We hit the road on Tuesday and we get back, you know, the 23rd Christmas uh, Eve morning at like 2 a.m., something like that. So how are you handling getting all the stuff that you need to get done before Christmas done? Because basically for us, it's it's Tuesday or bust. Yeah. You know what's interesting, Travis, about that? And I'm going to shock you, I hope, yes. with this answer. I haven't even thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is that it's not shocking at all. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm such a last minute shopper. You know, I'm telling you, I'm I'm notorious for getting all my Christmas shopping done in two hours or three hours or, you know, a day for sure. Right. And and I've relied on that skill set for years because my beautiful, wonderful, glorious wife, you know, pretty much does all of the shopping for the household, so to speak. Right. And I take care of her. Uh, and yeah. so, but now, you know, our household dynamics are different. And I'm glad you've presented that because my wife is in Europe. Uh, mm -hmm. out of town with our granddaughter and will be for another maybe what four days she comes back on tuesday actually and i need to text her and get her list <laughs> yeah see i've got a little bit of advantage because my wife's birthday is december 7th so i've got to get the birthday list and then i've got you know birthday and christmas kind of all wrapped into one a little bit obviously i, I split the gifts up but it's like okay i'm gonna order this, 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 and this, and then whatever gets here in time for her birthday is a birthday gift. Whatever doesn't ends up being a Christmas gift. Travis, that's great, and I, I have to alert you to a similarity that we have. My wife's birthday is December 3rd, mm -hmm. and so I, I have the birthday and Christmas in the same month dynamic as well. Right. And 37 years into marriage, I, I, I stop relying on being knowledgeable enough to do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? So, you know, of, of, of paying attention over the course of the year to the yeah. things she likes or the purse she saw or, you know, that type of thing where I, I, I just kind of, I ask, you know, I ask yeah. and, and I, then I kind of uh, over deliver. <laughs> Michael Holton is with us here at the Section 113 podcast. You can hear Michael and I Saturday night, 7 o'clock, as the Blazers host the Timberwolves and the Trailblazers Radio Network and our flagship station, 620 a.m., Rip City Radio in Portland. Mike Lynch will have pregame for you coming up at 6 o'clock. Michael, I always enjoy our conversations. You enjoy your Friday night, and I'll see you tomorrow. All right, buddy. Take care. All right. We'll see you next time on the Section 113 podcast. <laughs>